All right, feel the knob creek going through me. Are you good? <laughs> Are y'all warmed up there, Swanee? I'm all warmed up. <laughs> Taxes. Let's go, Chief. <laughs> everybody to another episode of this is my bourbon podcast i am your host perry and swan's with me this week hey swan hello hi <laughs> yeah that knob creek really is working for you isn't it yeah it's doing great <laughs> uh thanks everybody for for tuning in uh to this week's episode we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh listener q a which is going to be fun uh not actually done this for a podcast before just done it for the live streams that I do over on YouTube every Thursday nights at nine o'clock. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see some of the, some of the questions that you guys had for us. And yeah, how you been, Swan? Pretty good, man. Yeah. I got to meet some cool people last night. It was great. Yeah, just meeting the people that listen to the show is fantastic. Yeah, Todd Cooper and Joseph Brazo were were over here last night. Um, Joseph, of course, came all the way from Washington State. Very, very cool to get to see him. We, we spent a good amount of time drinking really good bourbon and smoking really good cigars and just, have, just having a blast, man. Good conversation. Yeah. I got to find that man. I think a book or sip a while. We can. I think we might be able to do that. We can work something out. There's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance, Barry. There's a, there's a chance. Yeah. But anyway, so we start every show out with a segment called Flying Blind, where... I usually blind whoever else is on the show with a pour, but today, Swan has done that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brought something special. The nose is like a caramel and oak bomb. Mm-hmm. It's very oaky on the nose. This one has sat open for a little while, and it's definitely changed quite a bit. Have I had this one before? Uh, it's been a really long time if you've had it. I'm... I mean, like I said a few weeks ago, we've had so much over the past couple of years that you know who's who's to say anymore Mm -hmm. the nose that i remember Mm. shows up on the palate there's a lot of tobacco on the nose as i go in for my my first sip wow that is butterscotch heavy there it is it's a butterscotch do you like the tobacco more on the profile now that you're smoking cigars on a more regular basis yeah i do okay and it wasn't it wasn't that i was like I, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't necessarily know what it was. Like mm-hmm. I could identify a general tobacco note, but it wasn't until like I I did start smoking more cigars that I, I was able to pick up on it more. I think for me it's weird because I've been in like barns and stuff where they've had drying tobacco, so that I like yeah. tobacco on the nose more than I do on the palate. Yeah, and it's just because I guess I'm so used to walking into that barn just full of drying tobacco and having that smell that is so much butterscotch it is it's like a hard candy the finish is weird it's a little funky i don't remember i i kind of have an idea what it might be but i don't remember so this one i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you it's it's the uh barter house orphan barrel oh the 20 year old one 20 year old one yeah the weird little fox guy on the front um, He's got a little top hat on. Yeah, and or is that a bowler hat? Doesn't matter. 
He's fancy. That's all we need to know. He's fancy AF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when we first had this, it was nothing but butterscotch. And it's, it's opened still, up. Yeah. Yeah. It's opened up quite a bit, but I don't know if it's really, you know, for the better. Because I remember not having that kind of funky finish to it. Now it almost tastes like they, they're like, we're shooting for 20 years, but it might have been done at 17 and a half. You know, like they just, they really wanted that 20 year mark. Yeah. Which, you know, good for them. I, I think that the finish is, what, what I'm picking up on is like a dry oak. Um, like there, there's not a whole lot of, I would say, pleasant notes on the on the finish on i mean this one. it's there's a reason why i've had it for almost two and a half years now yeah. and i still have half a bottle it's not it's not something i reach for it's one of those that i honestly keep because they're like what's the oldest thing you have because a lot of people that are new associate oldest with best and that's not really it's not always the case like no. bourbon for me definitely has a sweet spot between like eight to 15 anything more yeah. than that it's like it's just a little too much so it's it's funny. I feel like the the more that I've been drinking bourbon, the the lower my my year preference has gone down, mm-hmm. or my 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 comfort level, I guess. You know, like it initially was like, man, it's got to be eight years and up. You know, yeah. But then it was like, you know, there's really great seven year old stuff out there. Oh man, there's some really great six-year-old stuff out there. And then once it got to like five and four, and seeing places like New Riff, and you know what they're doing with the four-year-old product, I'm like, anything is possible at this point. Yeah, and I think you also got to take into consideration when we were getting into bourbon, it was still the land of age statements a little bit. Oh, for sure. And so you saw the age nine years on Knob Creek, and the you know age however many years on a lot of these products, and then it just started going away. And we, we started getting into, well, how, how old is it? And they're like, well, technically it's six years. And you're like, six years, man? This used to be nine. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's blended with, you know, 12-year-old product. Yeah, exactly. So I've, I've kind of given up on, like, I really need a definite age statement and know that it's old because people are blending. They're making it what they want. The only time that I think I, like, now am really kind of concerned with a proper age statement. The only one I can really, really think of is Knob Creek single barrels, you know? Yeah. And that's not to say that, yeah, I mean, they, they've gotten as high as like 14 and a half, 15 years old mm-hmm. right now. But like, that's not to say that the, the younger stuff, I mean, there's still nine year old, 10 year old barrels that are coming out. Those are still great. It's just, yeah. there's this sweet spot right now with those older barrels that, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I seek them out. I want to have an older bottle of Knob Creek. Yeah. Single barrel. 13 and a half to like 15. It's a lot of them. The single barrels are coming out around there. Yeah. And they're phenomenal. I think the only thing that I'm concerned with as far as age goes is I really, I need it to say straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it's for oh, me. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just knowing that it's got that two year designation and someone had enough patience to wait till it was a decent product more than likely. I'm a little more comfortable with that. But if somebody hands me their new make and they're like, hey, you want to try this? I'm not going to say no. It's just not necessarily I'm something I'm going to go pick up on the shelf. Right. And, and I mean, there is always that chance of, might not be that great. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some people that, you know, you've tasted it, and you're like, I mean, I know you aged it for six months, but this just tastes like new make. I mean, I'm a little confused. Did you just rinse it through the barrel? I mean, but there's some people that are also doing six-month-year-old product, like Stave and Barrel uh, from the Glens Creek stuff that's not Mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. It's definitely not bad. Surprisingly good, I would would say. But anyway, thanks for blinding me with this one, Swan. That was a fun little... I gotta get you back, little man. Little palate warmer. <laughs> gotta get you back. I, as we get into the episode, well, before we really get into the episode, I gotta ask you, what have you been drinking recently? Last night, everything. Yeah, last night was kind of a blowout, wasn't it? <laughs> I had like, probably, I don't know, half ounce samples of like eight, nine different things. Yeah. Um, favorite thing from last night was between the Booker's 2019-2. Yeah. And the Four Roses limited edition. Mhm. I yeah. Well, the uh that that Russell's pick was up there for me too. Russell's the, pick from was the, definitely up there. From the Bourbon Affair. Mhm. Um man, that's a good bottle. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of hard too cuz I had such a variety of things yesterday, like looking at the Bardstown Bourbon Company stuff. It is so hard to compare that to anything that I had last night. It is oh, wildly yeah. different oh, yeah. than half the stuff that they we we tried. So it's I don't know. Last night I had a lot of good bourbon. Let's just put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that. So I just got back yesterday from um, half of my vacations for the summer. Um, we went up to Virginia, so of course I had to bring some some bourbon with me. So I brought 101, some Special Reserve, Granddad 114. Uh, let's see what else. Four Roses uh, Small Batch Select. And there's one more that I can't think of off the top of my head. But, you know, that's kind of how I survived for a few days. Survived, quote Survived. Unquote. Yeah. Um, Put it in an IV bag. I need it. Yeah. Last night, though, man. Oh, what a good time that was. Mm-hmm. I just... We're at... Joseph and Todd, you know, again, thank you all so much. I feel like we're going to be talking about it for a while, too, and just going on and on about how much fun we had. For sure. So Next year, we'll do it again. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Hey, do you want to try something you've never had and I've never had before? Uh, Yes. Okay. Um, I have had this bottle sitting behind my bar for a while, and I forgot about it. I want no information on it. I just want to try it. Okay. You don't want to know proof or age or anything? Not even the name? All right, what's the name? It's Colville. Colville. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I won't. I won't tell you anything about it. Sweet. All right, I'm gonna pull up. Uh, since we're doing a Q and A, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up one of the first questions off our uh, Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not on the already on there, definitely join. Yeah, just search. Uh, this is my bourbon group, uh, and there are a couple questions up there now for you to answer um, in order to gain entry into the club. But yeah, all right, it's a fun group. All right, I'm gonna read this one from Ian McMaster. What are you most excited about with bourbon coming up, whether it's a release or an event or even something new happening at an established brand? Um, I, well, I'm always excited for bourbon and beyond. Uh, I'm really excited for uh, Southern Whiskey Society this year. Bourbon on the Banks is going to be a great festival in Frankfurt, too. Um, I don't know if we've uh, made this public yet or not, but we're actually going to be there uh, with the podcast 
Um, so we'll have a booth set up and everything. You get to come by and say, Hey, and we might have some merch and everything, but, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit closer to time. (sighs) Honestly, like this has felt like kind of a dead year Mm -hmm. for me in terms of, uh, uh, new releases. There was the four rows of small batch select, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, Weller foolproof is going to be coming out here very soon. I mean, of course I'm excited for that. Um, the new E.H. Taylor, too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've gotten to try both of those last two, and they're both really good. There's just not a whole lot that's on the calendar right now where I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to echo that a little bit. I'm really excited for, if I have to pick one thing, Bourbon on the Banks. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's going to be great. Um, and Perry said we'll get into it more later for sure. But I think I need more of what... Four Roses did this year. They put out a release that's on the shelf, that's new, and it's good. And I was looking forward to it, and still, you know, I'm picking up a bottle here pretty soon. Because um, a lot, of, like you mentioned, the dead year, a lot of the stuff that's come out this year has been so hard to get your hands on. It's hard to get excited about it. I mean, the Weller Foolproof, I'm chasing that one down, seems like weekly, and, you know, I'm getting a no every time I turn around. So, yeah. It's. It's just one of those things where, you know, maybe in 10 years after Buffalo Trace has hit their expansion and kind of gets a little more, you know, stuff under their feet, they might be able to put it out at a rate that I can go just pick it up on the shelf. But for right now, it's just not there. So Yeah, and I, I think that talking about stuff like, you know, each year's limited releases, that kind of goes without saying, the Antique Collection, mm-hmm. um, the Four Roses limited edition. Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited for all of that. It's just... You know, you know what I'm excited for, and this is thanks to Adam Terry. I'm excited for Wilderness Trail picks. Oh heck yeah, yes! I'm excited for those <laughs> because their standard release is good, and I actually got to try the second release that they did of their rye bourbon. Oh yeah, a little bit different and in a good way. I like oh, it. Oh great! Yeah, so That's awesome. there's definitely some variance between the batches, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that, especially when people get to do their own picks. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to picks of that too. I'm not knowing, you know, what is on the other side of that, um, just in terms of, you know, what what they could possibly even be like. I mean, that's exciting for me. I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. kind of this uncharted territory of picks from a new distillery that, you know, we've had really a, a good time with so far. Mm-hmm. I'd love for them to put out a, a pick and kind of do what knob creek does where they allow it to be more of a cast strength higher proof release yeah mm-hmm. i think that'd be great i mean i know they'd have to drop the bottle and bond designation i wouldn't be that mad i wouldn't either not at all i mean look at the success that new riff has had with it yeah they've done great i mean that's one of the best new selection programs out there i mean i see people post pictures from it all the time well thank you ian for that question uh i'll, I'll do one now uh, here's from Clifton advice for finding dusty. Should I be looking in small liquor stores or asking the employees? I've not ever really found too many dusties in the wild. All my dust, most of my dusty buying has been, um, on secondary market. Yeah. I mean, if I had to recommend getting something that's, I mean, we're going to call it dusty. You're looking at stuff that's either been discontinued, really, or just stuff that's sit on the shelf and the labels changed. If you're looking for that kind of stuff, go to liquor stores that people don't shop too often. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you're like, 
this is a liquor store, but it's attached to a gas station. It's also a drive-thru, and it looks like they mostly just sell cigarettes, but you go in there and they've got an older bookers or something like that. Might be worth picking up. I mean, just going to those places that nobody goes to or even going into some place that typically runs higher prices, maybe you might find something that even though it's higher priced, it might be worth it to you because it's older. Yeah, and I, I think that it's important to not just look for the the higher end stuff Mm -hmm. um it's always nice finding you know older bottles of 101 uh on the shelf um you know if you just happen to luck into finding a a, an age-stated elijah craig that's always a nice treat too yeah old age-stated knob creek uh, yeah a couple Mm -hmm. of those so don't don't limit yourself to the high-end stuff i mean look look for everything Mm -hmm. i would say I just had a sip of this. I'm still nosing it, and I'm a little scared, if I'm honest. <laughs> it smells like dark chocolate on the nose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really taste like it. it tastes kind of like a like a piece of juicy fruit chewing gum. Yeah, I get that. It's like when as it's going down your your throat, it's definitely fruity. Yeah. There was this like dumb candy store in the mall. I'm pretty sure every mall has one. And they had chocolate-covered gummy bears one time, which sounds terrible. It's because it is. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Uh, That's this. Yeah, this is no good. strange. I do not like this. No, let's finish this quickly. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So, again, this is called Colville. Uh, It's five years old. It's 86 proof. I I got this from the Walmart liquor store. Hmm. Okay, does Walmart do returns? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Not on liquor. Not on liquor. Unfortunately. But, yeah, this is not not my favorite thing I've ever had. Yeah, let's move on to something else, please. Yeah, there's some certain things, too, that when I have them and they're bad, I immediately think, this is just not my palate. This is for somebody else. I don't know anyone who's looking for this, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. Do you want to venture into the wild blue yonder and... Crack something else, maybe? Yeah, so going back to what uh, Clifton said, I think this would be a great nod to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, you know what? I think I might have opened this before. Yep, I have. Um, (laughs) This is just the 80-proof Old Bardstown bourbon. Um, It's an older bottle. I've never seen... I had never seen this bottle before uh, I found it. And there's just this... um, this store in Frankfurt that has a big sign out front that says whiskey and nothing else. Nothing else. I don't even know the name of the store. It's called Moore's Point. How would I have known that? It's on It's on the sign, but it's like <laughs> easily, I don't know, a There's hundredth a of the size of the text of whiskey. <laughs> and it's, too, it's funny too, because if I'm thinking of the same place, you literally walk in. And there's just an entire bar and behind the oh, bar. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, they just happen to have like, it, it's definitely not just like a back bar. It's just a whiskey, you know, shelf. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, hey, what's what's the price on this? What's the price on that? And they'll sell it to you, but and, you got to ask. And there's not really that much there to choose from either. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. kind of by luck that I walked in and this was there. I mean, everything else is just kind of like the standard offering, but I was just happy to, you know, walk away with something at that point. Yeah. You know the the weird place out in the middle of nowhere that I, I introduced you to? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The guy owns both of these. Both of those no stores. No kidding. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. It's That strange. makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, he owns he's, he owns both of them. Um, so this one you said it's eighty proof. Yes. We've got another question that actually mentions eighty proofs. Okay, go for so, it. So this one's from Darren Wright. It says, "If you could only drink an eighty proof bourbon, what would it be?" Oh, this is a thinker. Yeah. Uh, does it have to be? How do you interpret this? Does it have to be like a standard offering that's out right now? I would just say, since he didn't specify, I would just put eighty proof that you can. It's not. It's got to be available. I would assume. Because, I mean, if you're going to drink it for the rest of eternity, and that's the only thing you've got, you got to be able to buy more than one bottle. Jim Beam White Label. Honestly, I know that's kind of a, a generic answer, but it's it's not a bad bottle. It is bourbon. It is a very standard pour mm-hmm. that has a lot of good stuff going on. I think I would go with Ancient Age 80. Yeah. I, I, I could see that. I'm more of a fan of the 90 proof than I am the 80 proof. I mean, yeah, me too, but I mean, if I had to, I just, I'd try to think of it more of just 90 proof with an ice cube in it. Sure. But it's, uh, I'd be happy with that. I tried the old charter, the 80 proof that Uh they put out. It is not great. Yeah, it's not good. No. Not good. Definitely not as good as the 101. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it's a great bottle. It is. It's good stuff, but no, it's, it's not great. And I, I was trying to think of something else and I mean, Basil Hayden. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we talk about ones we wouldn't? Yeah, Basil, <laughs> Basil Hayden. Hayden's uh, my my number one would not want to have to drink. I would get so tired of that so fast. I get tired of it after one sip. Yeah, it just is watered down bourbon. Mm-hmm. I could see maybe doing some of their other releases. I think the best one I've had from theirs is they had just a standard rye release that they did. And it was it was okay. It wasn't bad. Yeah, but you know, I'm still trying to drink bourbon instead of rye. Mm-hmm. Are there any 80 proof rides out there? Mm. I can't think of a one. Not not that I know of, not standard offering. I mean, you got the I closest would probably be Wild Turkey. Yeah, 81. We'll probably have already looked it up by the time this episode comes out, but if not, let us know on on Twitter at my bourbon pod. Yeah, this whole podcast is about engagement, so. Yeah, no kidding. For sure. No kidding. Um, this is a pretty good pour. Honestly, for 80 proof, I don't have anything bad to say it other than I wish that it were a little bit more flavorful, but it just, I see the hints of everything there. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't quite deliver in the way that it could. This is actually pretty good. And this is old Bardstown. Uh, yes. Is that Willet? Um, at that point, I'm not sure what it was. It says Bardstown, so it can't be too bad, but I, I do like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like it a little bit better than the old Bardstown stuff that's coming out of Willet right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely get behind that. Willet has been so hit or miss. Uh-huh. I mean, for standard offerings, it seems like every bottle you get is wildly different. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, for sure. Chad and Sarah have talked about their Noah's Mill experience where they got like a honey bottle and just never got close to that again. And I had the exact same experience. Yeah. I, I It wasn't that extreme for me, but it was to the point where I was like, I don't think I'm going to be okay not buying this bottle again. Mm-hmm. So I my next question from over on Instagram is from my underscore drinking hobby. In your opinion, what bottles are worth paying full secondary pricing? Why is your Craig Barrel proof? Yeah. Because I'm full secondary, 120 for the newer releases, up to like 250 for the old ones. 
I think it's worth it. I think it is yeah. too. It's kind of. I think that there is a good debate to be had about that. Um, this might not be the episode for it. Maybe we'll do a secondary episode mm-hmm. um, sometime in the future. Um, but this is uh, it, th- this is a really interesting climate that we're in for secondary pricing, wherein there aren't a whole lot of bottles that are worth the price that you're going to be paying for them on secondary. I can't fathom paying what some people do for a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle or for no. the antique collection. Um, I'll tell you what, what is worth it, though. And it's not always the best way to go about it, but maybe find a group that does uh, uh, fireballs. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically splitting up a bottle in terms of price, not like, you know, one person gets it and then everybody gets a little bit of it. Um, you're splitting up the price uh, a tenth of the way. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to, you know, to approach it. I mean, like I won a bottle of uh, Kentucky Owl confiscated, uh, for like 40 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely not bad. There's some risk involved, but it's, it's nice when you do win. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think if I had to pick another, that would probably be worth it. Most people charge, you know, relatively okay amounts for the, the Blanton's, um, straight from the barrel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of it's not mm-hmm. too bad, and then probably like your your classic, which would be the uh, late two thousands, early twenty tens wild turkey. Some of yeah. those are decently priced. Yeah, some of the uh, uh, pre fire Heaven Hills. Yeah, too. Especially like the small ones, like yeah, three seven fives of stuff and pints. I've got a majority of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your next question, Swan? This one's from Monica. Monica. Good old Monica. Top three bourbons every restaurant should have, but most don't. So I would argue that the staples for most restaurants would be Woodford and Makers. Woodford, Makers, Jim Beam. Woodford, Makers, Jim Beam. I think those are the staples. Um, 101? Mm -hmm. Probably. That's a good question. Uh, Knob Creek Small Batch. And, uh, I, I would, if we're talking in terms of like, you know, say you want a weeder, I would probably replace Makers with Larceny. Yeah. Larceny was on my list. Yeah. More on Larceny later, by the way. Yeah. No, Larceny was definitely on my list. Uh, and so was Wild Turkey. If uh-huh. I had to come up with some different ones, Four Roses Small Batch, I think would be a good one. Elijah Craig would be a great one. Yeah. And then, uh... I'd say Buffalo Trace, but honestly, that's kind of hard because it's, it's difficult to get everywhere. A couple years ago, I might have said Buffalo Trace, yeah, but now, not so much. I'd probably go with Russell's. I mean, I know it's up there, but I mean, split across you know the 16 pours or so that are in there, I think Russell's would be a good one. It's just an introduction. I mean, I would go 101, obviously, but I don't want to repeat yeah. what you said. But then I definitely think Wild Turkey's got to be on there in some some way. Yeah. Maybe Rare Breed. I can see Rare Breed being on there. Um, just because it's... there. I'm sure there's somebody that's looking for something strong so that when they put ice in it, it dilutes down to something. Yeah. Still, you know, a little rough comparatively. And, and I mean, like, you know, we could throw Old Granddad 114 into that mix as yeah. well. Even a Knob Creek 
single barrel at 120 proof. Yeah, so. I mean, we went to that one restaurant, uh, Cuvion in Louisville, yeah. and we ordered one pour of Old Granddad 114. They're like, nope, that's it. That's all we got. No more. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I would have been drinking that all night. <laughs> like, <laughs> Guess it's on to the 101. Mm-hmm. Which I think we cleaned them out of. Uh, more than likely, between us, Tammy, Monica, Brian. Yeah, we um we, we put a dent in, in a wild turkey handle we for did sure. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, we are pouring Knob Creek Cast Strength Rye as uh, we move on to our next question, which comes from SoCal Tomato Guy over on Instagram. He said, what's your best guess in years on the bourbon boom bust? Minus seven. I don't know anymore if it's actually going to happen. I'll be really honest with you. I think it'll happen, and I think if they move on to the next spirit, it's probably going to be gin. Gin or rum. Gin or rum, I yeah. Would say. And the only reason I would think gin is just because of the... It seems like every distillery now when they open is making a craft gin. Or something along those lines. I mean, you or in even rum. I mean, let's so yeah. two examples like Castle and Key making their gin. It's a bourbon drinker's gin. It just seems like an easy transition. So you've got all these people that are you know raving over aged spirits and they need something new. Gin's going to be a little bit cheaper and more accessible and easy for new startups and stuff mm-hmm. to make. And if you're looking at rum, I mean, we go on and on about Wilderness Trail and we love them so much. They started out making a rum. Yeah. Um, they did a sorghum rum, which is, uh, it's, I, I, admittedly, I'm not a huge rum fan. I do like molasses cookies, and it is 100% molasses cookies. Uh, it's not everyone's thing, though. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is good, and it's a little hot, uh, but it's it's still good. So I, I, I could see it moving to that. Um, I think going on Perry's point that it might not really go away. We've moved to finishing stuff so often. It seems like every distillery is doing a finished thing. So if you were saying like yeah. bourbon's going to go away and the next thing that's going to happen is going to be a wine. Well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time with the versatility that they have using wine barrels now, just in the bourbon industry, I can definitely see people just saying, no, these things can coexist in a boom. Like they can both yeah. be popular. Yeah. For sure. I and I want to echo that too. I mean, it it just seems like there's this give and take in some instances where it's like um you know, because bourbon is popular, oh, cigars are coming back into fashion too. Um and so it I mean, it's all cyclical. You know, mm-hmm. bourbon probably will have a a point in time where it's not as popular again, but I just I think that Looking at how the the market has been growing and the fact that we're always getting, not always, but um, we're getting new whiskey drinkers, new bourbon drinkers all the time. Um, I think there's more room for growth than there is the opposite. I could definitely, I could see that. I hope it doesn't decline. I, I know that. I hope it declines for the reason that I, I want to see BTAC on the shelf. <laughs> I don't want it to decline because I know... The that, selfish reasons. Yeah, I know the innovation would go away as well if they did that. Like, I would see, you know, less Master's Keeps, less new, uh, you know, releases from Buffalo Trace. I, I mean, it, it would it would hurt a little bit, but 
I might be able to find Pappy. Yeah. Exactly. At a reasonable price. Yeah. The secondary market might disappear. People might hold wild turkey on their shelf until it actually gets dusty. <laughs> What's your next question there, Swan? All right. This one's from Steven Sussman. Best Steven. summer bourbon or rye cocktails? So this one I wanted to ask myself because I'm not very well versed in cocktails. I pretty much just drink straight bourbon. Even if it's 90 degrees outside like it is right now, I'm going to drink straight bourbon. I Yeah, I was at the pool. this past weekend and drinking turkey 101 i like doing um it's really simple just bourbon and lemonade it's a great summer drink yeah um i i used to do this uh and it's it's kind of a kentucky specific thing uh but i would do bourbon in l8 Mm -hmm. and i would throw in a little bit of orange liqueur in there too so it just had a little pop of extra flavor so good man um i haven't i haven't done that in a long time mm-hmm. um might have to might have to get into some of that <laughs> yeah. here in a little bit so for anybody outside of kentucky ala it's pretty much ginger ale but with like an extra punch it's so, yeah it's got more flavor to it yeah it's got more flavor so if you wanted to i guess if you wanted to make your own just get some ginger ale and everyone's got their favorite so pick that up and Orange liqueur, is that what you said you put in there? Yes. Uh-huh. I might have to try that because I like orange. That'd be good. I, of- I'm telling you, man, it is a great combination of, of flavors. And um, that, yeah, I, I think that in terms of cocktails, you want to go a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong. I love, a, I love a good Eli Mason old fashioned when it's, well, really any time of year. <laughs> um, but it's, it's such an easy way to, you know, create your own cocktail and, and everything as far as like bourbon and rye cocktails bourbon and rye aren't necessarily built for being a summer drink i i, I go i would think more of like a mojito or something or mm-hmm. um yeah some kind of tequila based drink or rum during the summer i think for me if i were gonna just say that i like a cocktail that i could have during the summer it would literally just be Anything that's tropical and has ice in it. Yeah. So if you could put anything, you know, in there to kind of do that, like pineapple juice. I know people using cocktails a lot. Anything I could find with that kind of flavoring to it, and was also cold, I would do it. Because the biggest thing with bourbon for me is you start drinking and you get hot. But on top of it, I drink it room temperature. <laughs> so I, it's not. I'm not doing it's myself. Not refreshing. I'm not doing myself any favors no. here in the refreshment department. No. Um, but I, I think I'm going to definitely try your L8 and bourbon mixture because I've never done it with the orange liqueur in it. It, again, just adds enough to it where it makes it real nice. All so, right, so speaking of rye, This is a good rye. Um, it's got a lot on the back end, a lot of heat on the back end. Um, it doesn't necessarily have some of the more rye qualities that a rye whiskey does it kind of drinks a little bit more like a bourbon um than it does a rye see for me it's got a really heavy rye nose but then the palate is definitely more of a bourbon yeah uh-huh and we we reviewed this or i reviewed this with iverson oh, forever ago at this point um so go back and listen to those thoughts there but you know, I, I think that 
yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a really good Ryan nose, but the palate just doesn't quite deliver what I would expect from a rye whiskey. I do like it though. Oh yeah, I do. Too. I, I wish this I was a standard too. offering. Because <laughs> I've had their single barrel uh, rye that I think they're like what one fifteen, something like that. Yeah. yeah, this this is better. Yeah, this is a one nineteen proof. Yeah, so it's, either it's extra four points or whoever decided to batch this, it's it's good stuff. So my next question. I think deserves a little bit of an explanation um, because this is in reference to my April Fool's joke. Uh, Jake asked, why is the podcast moving towards vodka in the future? I figured it would be rum. It was my April Fool's joke was that it was turning to turn it into this, my vodka podcast, um, which was one of that. That is my best April Fool's joke I've ever done. Yeah, because I woke up and it was like the first thing that I saw, and I'm like, what? I'm not drinking Look, vodka man, tonight. Man. I I confused Swan with that. Yeah, like, I'm like that was a win for me. It was one of those things too where I realized the date and I was looking at it and I'm like, I, st- I don't want to ask because it's gonna make me look, <laughs> it's gonna make me look dumb. But like, I really hope I don't have to drink vodka tonight. <laughs> and the stuff in the glass is green, and I just, <laughs> I don't want this for myself. I don't want this. Yeah, it was it was my my April Fool's joke this year, and uh, I was pretty I was pretty proud of myself for it. More proud of myself than I think I'm allowed to be. <laughs> yeah, what you got over there, Swanee? All right, so this one's from Eric Black, and it says, "What are your takes on whiskey rocks versus ice versus whiskey discs?" I do not like whiskey rocks. I've tried it. They and taste so bad. I know that there should be absolutely no flavor that comes mm, off mm, these mm, things. Mm-mm. They taste bad. It feels like I infused my bourbon with a granite countertop. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's just the strangest thing. It's nasty. Yeah, they do work, but if I were going to do anything, I would just chill my whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, because at that point, at least, you're not, it's not in contact with anything, and it's not going to get watered down. I just don't like watered-down bourbon. No, I, I don't just either. Don't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be elitist. It's just, you know, I don't like the flavor of a bourbon that's had an ice cube melt in it. Yeah, and just like what Freddie said, best way to drink bourbon is the way you like to drink it. Exactly. So if it's not our thing... That's perfectly fine. If you yep. like to take an entire ice ball and shove it down in your drink, great. Yep. That's your that's your preference. And I mean, I that's not to say that I didn't do that for a long time. I mean, like I I, I did spend a lot of time drinking bourbon with a with a whiskey ball. Mhm. Right? Yeah, an ice ball in there. Yeah, and I had whiskey mixed with coke for way too long. But <laughs> It was just, it's the way I enjoyed it, you know, and it didn't, it didn't matter what I got. I could get Elijah Craig. This is going to kill you a little bit. So the Elijah Craig barrel proof that oh, I got. Oh, I know this story. I mixed it with Coke. I know Because it was too strong. I mean, looking oh, back on it, I would kill myself. Like, what are you, <laughs> stop. <laughs> I want to go back and strangle myself like Homer strangles Bart Simpson. I mean, 
it's just terrible. But at the same time, that's how I like to drink it at that time, and I'm not super funny. upset with that. You know, yeah. that's perfectly fine. So if you like to drink it with, you know, the whiskey rocks, that's how. Uh, that, but that's fine. But it just like for me, it just adds this unsavory flavor mm-hmm. that I just can't get past. I want to taste my whiskey. I want to taste my bourbon. Yeah. You know, and if if I've got something standing in the way of it, like an additive, an unintended additive, it's it's ruined my experience with it. So, I say I say no to the whiskey rocks. Mostly no to the whiskey discs. Absolutely not to uh ice cubes. But if you're going to go with ice, go with the 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 ice balls. Yeah. That's that's just my opinion. Oh, so get this. <laughs> here we go. Story time. You ready? <laughs> Put the glass down. Old We're going Poppy here. Van Wrinkle. <laughs> Literally. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I, I I'm big on. I don't really keep a whole lot of my better bottles. I like to give them to Chad and Perry because I know that they make content with them, and other people can enjoy them more than I would. You just make at me my, cry at my house. So. This was the one that I kept for myself. The fir- the first year that I started collecting bourbon, I got a 12-year Van Winkle, Lot B. And then I also got a 107, sold the 107 to Chad because I figured he could do something with it. And I kept the, the Lot B, and I was like, when am I going to open this? When am I going to open this? And, of course, I went on a tour with Freddie, and he basically just said, open it when you've got people to enjoy it with. And I'm like, cool. So I took it to Thanksgiving or Christmas, one of the two, and uh, I opened it up, and I poured all my stepbrothers some of it. And my stepbrother Brent, Brent, I love you. Don't get me wrong, but he put <laughs> chipped ice in with lot B. Oh no! And oh, I'm not no. talking a little bit. I'm talking like he had an entire Sonic slushy with no flavoring, and decided it's going to be lot B flavored. Oh no! And I was like, oh, this is killing me inside. And the whole time I'm looking at it, and I'm like. Enjoy it the way you like to drink it. Enjoy it the way you like to drink it. Don't say anything. Well, so the that that first year where I really started getting into it as well, I also got a lot B. And I was like, I got to share this around, you know. And I mean, that that's just my nature. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I get a good... I mean, that's why my George T. Stag is so low. It's because I want other people to try it. I'm not going to hoard it for myself or anything. It just... I get into this mindset of, I've got it. Other people are going to enjoy it too. Yeah. So I brought my lot B around to Christmas with my family and I was all excited about it. You know, I'm pouring a little bit for everybody and I pour some for my brother. He just shoots it, <laughs> just knocks it back. I'm yeah. like, Dane, what are you doing? And he was like, what? I was like, you just shot Van Winkle. And he's like, I didn't know. <laughs> Nothing oh, says college kid like you bringing out a special bottle at Christmas <laughs> and him shooting it. At least he wasn't like chugging straight from the bottle. Yeah, no, that would have been that would have been worse. It's it's painful though because there you do kind of fall into the category of like, well, this is how it's meant to be enjoyed because this is how I like to enjoy it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I hit that point quite a bit. So when I when I hand somebody. You know, some nice bourbon, and it's definitely a two to three sips, and it's gone after the first one. I'm sitting there like, <laughs> you really did that? But at the same time, like, they got the flavor. You know, they, they tried it. And if they ever want to go back and appreciate it, it'll, it'll probably be there. You know? Yeah. Um, my next question is from Kevin, also known as Chauncey's dad over on Instagram. 
He asks, where will the new Heaven Hill seven-year bottled and bond fit into your bourbon portfolio? So let me couple this with a question that Adam also had. Okay. And it said, thoughts on the new Heaven Hill bottled and bond. So yeah, obviously they want to hear about it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this is coming out the week after the news actually dropped, but this will be the first time that we've kind of put our thoughts down for people to, to hear. I am... I, I think I'm just going to straight up say, I'm excited for this. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really am. I know that everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of people have a problem with the fact that it's now one year older than the old Heaven Hill Bottom and Bond six year that you know got taken away last year and is now three times the price. I get that. I totally understand that. Um, but I think that I think that what we're seeing now is a precedent being set for semi-premium whiskeys with an H statement. You know, um, yes, this is from the same company that put out an 11, or excuse me, a 12-year-old product for under $25 for a long time. Mm-hmm. But... We're, we're, I think we're, we really are seeing a tonal shift in the way that bourbon is marketed and the way that bourbon is sold to consumers. And I, under, I understand. I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Seven years old, I, I, one distilling season, 100 proof. It, it, it just makes sense that it's priced where it is. Um, yes, you can get old Ezra seven-year barrel strength for about the same money. Yes, you can get rare breed for about the same money. But you you have to understand, too, this is the same argument I make for, for paying artists or musicians a fair wage. You have to understand the amount of time and the amount of craft that has gone into creating this. Bottled and bond whiskeys are not easy to make. No. They are very, very regulated by nature. So, yeah, I, I understand why it's being, why, why it is priced where it is. It makes sense to me. Am I the happiest guy in the world about it? No, absolutely not. Because, yeah, 40 bucks isn't just pocket change. You know, I, I, I will still, when the time comes and once it becomes part of our everyday market, yeah, I'm still going to stand there and I'm going to debate. Do I want a bottle of Rare Breed or do I want a bottle of seven-year Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond today? You know, I mean, there, there is... I, I fall so weirdly on this spectrum where I'm excited for it, but I understand why other people aren't. And I, I can kind of foresee how I am going to react to it in the future. But my, my thesis, I guess, if I had to have one, is... I'm excited for it, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think for me, it's just going to come down to how it tastes. I mean, if I think everyone's big argument is, yeah, but if you compare it to blank. And great, yeah, if you look at their portfolio, it's maybe not the best priced item they've got there. Well, sure. But if you compare it to New Riff, Bottle and Bond, it's... Not bad. Yeah, and and if you if you listen to uh, a couple weeks ago where I was talking with Dixon, 
um, about trying to break that mentality of it's good, but, or it's good, but it's not this, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is not an easy thing to break yourself of. I'm guilty and, of it. No, I, 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 I am too. Yeah. I, and, and I think that this is going to be an interesting challenge for those of us who have that issue when talking about whiskeys. Um, and, and again, this is, this is a tonal change for the bourbon market. I fully believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to realize that really the only way I should be judging this is after I buy it once, try it, and think, is this bottle worth $40? That should be the only, only really way yeah. that I, I judge it. But, I mean, preemptively, and this is just like when you see movie trailers, you tear them to shreds on everything that you can because that's just your natural instinct. I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking... Why on earth would I pay that if I can get a ten-year-old Henry McKenna bottled and bond single barrel for you know thirty-five, forty bucks? You you watch though, Henry McKenna will go up in price. Yeah, I it's, totally believe it's it. It's got to go if they are going to to match this price hike. There is no way that Henry McKenna will not go up to fifty dollars. No, I totally believe it that it'll probably get a new bottle, a new design, and probably an extra twenty to thirty bucks slapped to it. Yep. I mean it's and it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable and honestly, I'm okay with it just because I know that that's probably gonna put it on the shelves more. And there's plenty of Henry McKenna ten years that I've had where I was like, This is a seven dollar bourbon. There's also plenty I've had where I like it's appropriately priced. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hit or miss. Just like anytime you pick up a single barrel from a store. I mean, there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of Knob Creek picks that I've had where I'm just like, well, this is, you know, this is worth the 45 to, you know, 50 bucks I paid for it. And there's also some where I picked it up and I was like, I'd have this almost next to BTAC. Like, yeah. this is crazy. So let me, let me ask you this. We, we agree that, Henry McKenna is going to be more expensive here soon. I I feel like it has to be. I feel like their entire thing is going to probably, you know, their their whole platform is probably going to go up to right. match. I mean, what are the two that you feel like are appropriately priced for the market right now? It'd probably be the decanter style old fits and this new seven year are kind of aligned with everyone else's pricing. And I think the reason we're upset is because they've not aligned with anybody else's pricing before. So my my question though is, assuming that the Henry McKinnon price hike is inevitable, going from MSRP of about thirty to about fifty. Again, this is speculation. Mm-hmm. Are you still willing to pay fifty dollars for Henry McKenna bottled and bond? Yeah. So in turn, would you then be willing to pay forty dollars for Heaven Hill bottled and bond? Yeah, I would be. Yeah. Here, here's where I get a little bit tripped up in the pricing strategy. And I think that, well, okay. All of the, the old Fitz releases um, that have come out over the past year and a half now, the decanter style bottles, those have been priced per year. So like the 13 year that just came out this, this spring mm-hmm. is $130. The nine-year-old was $90, you know? So is it just because of the, the, the bottle itself that it's coming in that it's being priced $10 per year? Or is this 
some vacuum of of pricing that we're not privy to. You see I'm what not, I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I know with the old fits, you've also got to take into account the rarity of it because you can't just walk in and pick it up off the shelf. No. Yeah, I mean, if you did, that'd be insane. But um, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent on on the pricing on on that stuff. I do know that the secondary stuff. I mean, I've seen some that are running 250 for the 13 year. Yeah, that's insane. I yeah. wouldn't pay that. But I mean, seven year old. Bought it a bond whiskey, put it up against new riff as far as like stuff like that. It's it's worth it. Put it up against Wilderness Trail, it's worth it. It's when you start comparing it to, you know, large distilleries and their current trend of pricing that it kind of falls apart. But again, it really for me is it should just be based on me trying it and thinking, would I pay forty bucks for this? You you bring up a good point though that I hadn't even considered. You can get new riff bottled and bond for forty dollars. Yeah. Which is four years old. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to have a competing whiskey that's seven years old, also bottled and bond, for the exact same price. I'm, I'm interested to see how that is going to play out in the market come October. Maybe that, you know, they're, they're doing something really specific and really interesting by, you know, not releasing it in Kentucky at first. I hate that they're not releasing it in Kentucky. I understand why they're doing it, but <laughs> I mean, I think it's know? genius if you look at it because then oh, if, it is. if we had it and we're immediately comparing it to the $12 bottom shelf that we used to love and we're thinking, why on earth would I pay for this? But then we start reading reviews online from everyone else saying this is the bourbon of the year. We're going to think, forget the price, man. I'm picking it up regardless. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to pay 40 bucks for that. Yeah. Heck, you'll end up seeing it on secondary going for 55 60 just because they can get it and we don't have it yet. Yeah. Gosh, I have a lot of this bottle left. Sorry, changing conversation. I just opened <laughs> up a, a new riff single barrel that I kind of forgot I had. Um, and it's mostly full. I don't think I liked this when I first had it. Really? Yeah. I've actually not been a huge fan of some of the new riff single barrels. This is the only one that I've had where I was iffy on it. Everything else I've been over the moon about. So. I I thought, looking back on it now, I'd have to go listen to what I said, but the one with the Patrick Star in the back of it, I thought it was just okay. That was the bottled and bond, right? No, that was a single barrel pick. Was it? Yeah. Did we review that on the show with Chad? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was with Kurt, but... Either way, it was just kind of yeah iffy. I've had another one that I picked up, and I think was a um, I want to say it was an Ernie's pick. Oh, Patrick Star. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just it was just okay. I mean, I'm I've not been a huge fan of it. I I do think they're good. I think it's just one of those things where two to three years from now they're gonna be putting out better product, and it could have just been that I I got a bad one or it didn't align with what I wanted. Or that I liked the regular release so well that that took a step in the different direction. That's a real shame because I loved Patrick Star. Really? Yeah. It it was now if we're just talking about the lovely little like the pink, sticker that was on the back? Yeah, the sticker A plus. <laughs> a plus. Patrick Star is a character and he's he deserves fame. But uh <laughs> no, nah, I, I just look at the whiskey. I thought it was a great pick. 
I thought it was really good. I, I did. Know. I mean, Nura for me has been good. I've honestly started enjoying their ride almost more than their standard release. I really Actually, like the ride. I'm kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that anything that they've put it out, they've been putting out is bad, but it just seems like no. the rye is a, kind of a step above. Yeah, I, I think it is too that, you know, there's a product of the rye that it doesn't take near as long to age. And so that four-year mark is a lot more substantial to the flavor profile than maybe the four-year mark is to bourbon. This smells like a King's Hawaiian roll. Yes. <laughs> it does. It's, I can't, it's that a, is so dead on. It's a King's Hawaiian roll. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> Chad, I'm coming for you. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted. Yeah. Just, I mean, I hope the palate stands up, but like, oh man. The palate stands up. It stands up. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. What's the proof on this? This is 113.6, I believe. It does not drink like that. Oh, no. It drinks like it's a 96 proof or 95. <laughs> yeah, this is around 100 max. Yeah. Um, it was distilled on my dad's birthday in 2014. All Aww. right. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're dad, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so strange. I, I, I like this better than I think the, the Patrick Starr that I remember, but the it's very very like honeyed and viscous feeling yeah for a four year that's nuts so i think that i bought this the same day that i bought the patrick star mm-hmm. and the reason i i mean like i just said i loved the patrick star pick i think what it was is that i was comparing the two of them side by side and because I loved Patrick Starr so much, I was like, I don't know about this one. This one, though, now is so good. Mm-hmm. It tastes like a King's Hawaiian roll. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive. I'm so happy with this. This has changed my perspective a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. So I want you to try this other one, too, that I have on the table before you leave then. Try more bourbon? Yes. Heck, yes, heck please. Yeah. Um, because this is the one... That got me back and excited for a new riff. Okay. Um, not that I didn't, you know, love it already, and not that I didn't love the rye, but like, this one just has something special to it. So anyway, back to questions. Are you up? I think it's you this time. Is it? No, yeah, I just I... asked the question about the, the Heaven Hill seven-year bottle and bottle. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. I've got another one from Ian. Go for it. What person, doesn't matter who it is, would you like to share bourbon with that you have not done already and why? I'd love to sit down with Jimmy Russell. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have sat down with Booker No. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, like when when you talk about like some of the greats, I mean, you know that that's kind of an obvious thing. I don't want to get too touchy feely. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, but my my grandfather was a Scotch drinker, and I always, you know, I I accepted bourbon more than I did Scotch originally. You know, of course, but yeah. Um, you know, he, he passed away before I really got into bourbon and not that he was a big bourbon drinker, but I would have loved to have come to him and said, Hey, this is a great bottle. You know, let's, let's share it. You know, that's something that I just, I didn't get the chance to do. And I wish that I, I could have done that. And again, I'm not trying to get too like too emotional or anything about it but like it's it's one of those things where i just wish that i had had that opportunity um before he passed away and i didn't but yeah i i mean i would have loved to share a drink with my grandfather i actually never met either of them but i know the one on my my mom's side he uh he was a vodka drinker and a bourbon drinker so uh, from my understanding he was uh He was he was big on the Perry pours, but at like eight a.m. in the morning. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, so he, uh, him and the, the Travarsky got got real close at about eight a.m. before he went out <laughs> into the fields. Uh, but you know, it would have just been nice to have met him and stuff and hang out with him and have a drink. So I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. I think if I had to pick somebody that I've, and this is not necessarily, I guess, somebody you would think that like, oh, it was one of the greats, and I'd love to have a, a drink with him. Uh, Caleb Kilburn. Oh, heck yeah. Peerless. Oh my gosh, I would love to sit down with Caleb sometime. I think that would be great. Just to get him on the show. He's he's in our, you know, age range in our yeah. wheelhouse uh-huh. and I'd, I'd love to because I love when we we had the stuff with Marianne Barnes. And I just think that'd be interesting to relate to somebody not only by the bourbon aspect but also just by, you know, general you grew up in the same time period. Um and Yeah, I watched Rugrats. Yeah. <laughs> I had the orange VHS. I know what you're talking about. That was the first movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Reptar's Revenge, great. But Good I, stuff. I, I think it'd be neat. And plus, he just put out that new bourbon, and that'd be that'd be cool yeah. to talk about and go through. Yeah, we 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 need to get Caleb on and and talk about all that and everything, and um, we'll make that happen sometime soon. All right, uh, my turn. Uh, this is also from Kevin or Chauncey's dad. Has bourbon peaked? What will be the clearest signal that bourbon has jumped the shark? Uh, for me, if I had to think that... I don't think it's peaked. I definitely don't think it's peaked. No, nah, I don't think it has either. If I had to pick when I think it would, it would jump is when you start to see, at least for me, working in a liquor store on occasion... When I start to see people stop coming in and asking for specific bottles that I know we don't have, but they're asking for vodka or some other spirit, and I'm looking at them like, no, we don't have it. Wait till truck day. I'm going to be like, oh, snap. Bourbon's going down. <laughs> because as it is right now, when you work in a liquor store, there's two things you can expect for sure. It's that there will be people there on truck day that come in with their hands in their pockets, look around for about two to three minutes, and then come up to the front desk and say, Hey man, did you get anything special in today? And I'm just like, 
nope nothing Sorry, at buddy. all and then they'll be like oh okay and then they'll talk to you for a second and kind of butter you up a little bit and then they'll be like well i'll see you next week and you're like yeah yeah i'll see you again and they come back in i'm that guy by the way um <laughs> i hate it but i love it at the same time <laughs> You and, are my bourbon finder, so. Yeah, and then there's also the people that call and or come in and they just immediately look at you and they're like, hey, do you have any Weller, Pappy, Eagle, Rare, blah, 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 blah. I just keep going on and on and on. And you're just looking at them like, nope, 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 nope. But I got this pick. Uh, uh, but I don't want that. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> that That's when those two individuals disappear, I think we'll we'll think bourbon's probably moved on yeah um you'll you'll probably see a good decline in the secondary market as well but i think that will probably hang on quite a bit longer than than anything else yeah, because yeah. there's definitely going to be people that are seeking bottles that just can't find them sure um especially like the bland's dump dates and stuff people go nuts over those sorry i'm just seeing how long we've been recording so far i have got two questions left how many questions do you have left? I have actually gone through all of the ones on here. Okay. There's some um, extra ones on Adams, actually. But one of them we kind of already answered. It was, what bourbon best pairs with a beach vacation? Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So mm-hmm. the summer cocktails. And then he also said, thoughts on the new Tennessee legal case for Total Wine. Phone in Sarah Ritter. Um, good. That it was it was a good decision by Tennessee uh, on on their part. Um, basically, for those, and I'm I'm probably going to butcher a little bit of this, um, but basically, uh, what you are seeing is that people um, were trying to open liquor stores, uh, even though they hadn't been there uh, longer than two years. Uh, which up until really today was the minimum amount of time that you had to be there before you could open a store. Um, so there was this whole debacle with uh, uh, Total Wine in the state of Tennessee and then some smaller folks too that were trying to open a store, but they couldn't and everything. So Tennessee ruled in favor of uh, those who were trying to open a store. I think it's a, a good move, um, brings more commerce to the you know to the state and everything. Yeah, so absolutely. That's my very quick hot take on... <laughs> on the Tennessee legal system right now. So I, I do have one other question, but it's the typical, what are the four to five best whiskeys and scotches everyone should have ready? I don't know about scotches. Yeah. So um, I, I can tell you that, you know, we get asked this question a lot, but if you hear us repeat stuff like Elijah Craig, Wilderness Trail, Turkey 101, Turkey 101, those are definitely back bar stuff. You should definitely have all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like I, I try to, have a range of things from lower proof to higher proof, you know, just for people. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, you never know who's going to show up. Uh, it may be, you know, oh, they like their bourbon, but they don't like anything over 80 proof. Or they want something that they can mix with Coke. You know, Jim Beam's a good one to have around for that kind of thing. But if you've got somebody who's coming over who's a, I wouldn't say seasoned drinker necessarily, but, I mean, they have... A little bit more experience. Texas. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Texas. <laughs> oh, Patreon, you have stuff coming to you. 
Uh, anyway. <laughs> what are we talking about? Four to five best whiskeys you'd keep oh, yeah. behind your yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you should have something a little bit higher proof for those, those people, too. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, I will now go to my last couple of questions. Uh, the first one is from Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue. Outside of bourbon, what's your go-to drink? Alcoholic or not? I don't know. He didn't specify. Alcoholic, if I had to go with something outside, it would probably be rum or vodka if I don't want to remember that night. <laughs> it's no longer Fireball for yeah, a Yeah, so uh, pretty much just crappily flavored vodka I go with. That's the thing. I don't really drink and enjoy and sip on anything outside of it. I can get into some rum. If I had to pick just trying like the Nika, I would probably sip on some sort of not superly like heavily peated scotch I could yeah. probably handle. Uh, just, But if I'm just looking for something I enjoy, it's hard for me to get out of the wheelhouse. I mean, you got to think I'm some kid that grew up in Frankfurt right down the road from Buffalo <laughs> Trace. So from the time that I can walk, I'm like, oh, the entire town smells funny. And it's like, oh, that's mash. So the second you have a sip of bourbon, it's like it just feels like home, you yeah. know. And so when I try to venture out into different spirits, I don't, I don't get that resounding like comfort. I, I want to point something out. He did say outside of bourbon. Yeah. Not outside of bourbon and rye. That's true. I would take rye. I mean, uh, like, rye. Yeah. Rye is a go-to for me. Beer is a go-to for me as well. Um. I've just recently started getting back into Swan doesn't like beer. Um, I've just really recently started getting back into beer. Um, not after a hiatus, just kind of like I spent so much time with bourbon and, um, now I've realized that there's a lot of really good beer out there, mm-hmm. which isn't for Swan. Yeah. But. You know what I think would be something I, I would try. There's a lot of people now that are doing beer distilling and they, they will actually make like their mash bill out of their, their same beer yeah like what was it mash i guess yeah still? it's still mash yeah so they're they're doing that so there's like a hoppy whiskey that's strange but i feel like i could okay i could get behind that and most of them are just titled american whiskeys because mm-hmm. they can't necessarily call them bourbon uh, right but i i think i would try that more more so than beer um because to me beer is just like it's just like a giant soggy pretzel i just can't do it <laughs> Maybe you just haven't had the right beer, Swan. See, this is this is what happens with coffee as well, <laughs> and people, with and with bourbon. People and pull with you in everything. Yeah, so there's this little. But place. you've never had my mom's meatloaf. Yeah, but you never. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, man. I, so the other day, this guy was super nice. I went to Kentucky Nose Coffee. I've told you about uh-huh. this guy. Yeah, he did a, a thirty-minute spill about you know, like this and that, what he does in his company. And he's one, he was specifically telling me that I should try this like bourbon ball coffee that he has and to stir it clockwise and then counterclockwise and then mix it up. And that he was going to put X amount of cream and sugar in there for me to try it. Admittedly, it was the best coffee I've ever had. So if you're in Frankfurt, definitely go, <laughs> go try it. But this it. is from a non-coffee drinker. Yeah, though, so. definitely go try it. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's right next to Buffalo Trace. It's called Kentucky Nose Coffee. Um, the guy's great, but I just can't do it. Everyone's, they, they do the same thing with coffee. They're like, oh, well, it, 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 there's not a huge coffee flavor in it. And if you're not a coffee fan, the second you take a sip of whatever it doesn't taste, taste like it. coffee, it sticks out. Yeah. And it's the same with tea for me. It's the same with beer. 
And there are so many people who are that way with bourbon. My wife is one of them. You know, yeah. she's like, I just don't like it. But, you know, you give her a mixed drink and she's like, oh, I can taste some. I can taste the bourbon in there. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. And everyone tries, everyone tries to convert you to uh-huh. just like, oh, but you've not had my beer. You've not had my. my. That's, that's the, the meatloaf uh, uh, metaphor that I was throwing in yeah, there, too. It's, I just don't like meatloaf, man. Nobody's meatloaf is going to convince me that I like meatloaf. <laughs> You're never going to look at it and like, oh, you slathered it in ketchup. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> ah, anyway, uh, final question for this episode is from KYBBLF. How long is bourbon good for after opening the bottle? That's a very... There, there are a lot of factors that go into answering that question. So I would recommend trying an experiment... I've had a bottle. It was one of the first ones I bought. It was the E.H. Taylor. And I've con- I've bought two or three other bottles since, and I've opened and finished them, but I still have that one that's been open the entire time. That's my barometer. So if like oh, that, that one starts feeling sour, then I'm immediately like, let's go through my post and find out what I, I bought first and yeah. what I need to be drinking to get rid of. That's one way to do it, but honestly, it seems like the big thing is the less you have in the bottle, the quicker you need to drink it to mm-hmm. get rid of it, because it, it will kind of go bad quickly. If you put it in a cold, you know, well, room temperature or colder place with no direct sunlight, it lasts a good while. You really don't have a whole lot to worry about. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on how you store it. Yeah. You know, Um as long as it's not in direct sunlight, as long as it's at least room temperature, um, you know, I, I think that's the the maybe the biggest factor. But that doesn't mean that there isn't oxidis o- oxid oxidation oxidation. Thank you. I almost said oxidization. And I was like, <laughs> that's wrong. Um, that doesn't mean that it won't get oxidized. Yeah. Um, as it sits there over time, because it it will. I mean, that is just the nature of you know of whiskey but i think that as long as you keep it in a pretty you know well-controlled environment it's going to be okay for a while yeah i think another big point and i've seen perry make this mistake with two specific bottles and it's not nothing he did but where are we going with this one if you have wild turkey that's of age and you have elijah craig that's of age snap yeah take the bottle and every once in a while, turn it upside down and right side up a few times. Just kind of get the cork wet a little bit and then put it back in your cabinet. Just every six months or yeah. so. Because they tend to disintegrate and get dried out. And then you get these nice chunks of cork all and then through you've there. you've got to get cheesecloth and you've got to filter it. And maybe it didn't all come out in the first time that you filtered it. And then you got to filter it again. And you're like, is it really worth it at this point? And you decide, yes, it is worth it at this point. So then you filter it for a third time. And there's still chunks of cork in it. How is there still chunks of cork in it? And then you're like, well, maybe I can live with it. And you're like, no, I'm a perfectionist. I got to filter it again. And then you filter it again. And maybe it works. Sometimes there's a little bit of cork still left in there. And you decide, I'm okay with this. And then one night you wake up and it's not okay. And you filter it again. So as you can tell, this has never happened to Perry before. What, uh, what's not happening to me? Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like trauma. Uh, just specific quartz to it. Wild turkey's bad about it, but um, a lot of people are moving to like the synthetic cork, which... I don't mind. 
honestly I, don't mind. People it. really get upset about that. I think it's great because at least for I what know reason. Yeah, because it's not real, Perry. It's not authentic. It's not how they did it before. I don't know, man. I I like the idea I that I don't I, have to take my entire collection and turn it upside down every six months. <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. I I understand why people feel that way because bourbon is built on heritage. Yeah, but like. <sighs> Yeah, with the times yeah i mean honestly, or don't whatever i don't care go to a thrift store and look through their bourbon stuff and you'll find tons of decanters yeah just random uh-huh. decanters and you'll open them up and you're like is there bourbon, smell in like there? bourbon in there no there's no bourbon in there but look at the cork that thing is uh-huh. mangled yeah it's not good every time not good it's okay to change we can have synthetic corks What was the original question? <laughs> I don't know. We're really upset about. It. Oh, it was basically how to store your bourbon. Is, oh, is yeah, what that's they were asking. Right. That's right. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for submitting your questions. Uh, if you have future ones that you would like to uh, hear read out on the show, you can send us an email to thismybourbonshop at gmail.com, or you can find the show on all social media channels at my bourbon pod. Swan, how about we move on to a review? Yeah, let's let's do that. You suggested this one. Yeah, so it came up too in uh, Monica's question about what three things should you have in the bar for both of us. I think Larceny's up there. Um, Larceny is one of those that I recommend to people when they're when they don't like bourbon. So kind of going back to my coffee thing, just because I feel like it's approachable and friendly and maybe not as harsh as Maker's Mark, which is friendly is a good one. Yeah, um, and. Weeders, I think, are are good introductions for people, uh, unless you're that are about ninety proof. So if you get like an eighty proof regular bourbon, I feel like that's a good intro. But I think you can go a little bit higher in proof if you're doing a weeder. Yeah, and this is ninety two proof, so it's not that, not that far off. But I have so here here's something interesting about this bourbon. Um, I went through a period. Where I tasted it, I just straight up did not like it. I did the same thing. Did you really? Exact same thing. You are now the third person, counting me, to have said that. My mom is going through it right now, too. When I first had it, I really liked it. And then, uh, probably about, I don't know, maybe the third bottle I had of this, I just really didn't think it was that great. It didn't like hit me as harsh. It didn't really... Like, I don't know. I just, it was so displeasing. I didn't buy another bottle for a long time. It, it tasted like, if I remember correctly, it tasted really young and really harsh. But to me, it was like, almost like it had taken on a nail polish remover aspect Mm -hmm. that it didn't, it didn't necessarily have before, but it wasn't super harsh. It was just like flavored like that to me. Like it had been finished in nail polish remover? Yeah. <laughs> nail polish remover casks. Uh. <laughs> okay. No, that's gross. Uh, but I, I just didn't I didn't like it. Like the ethanol just hit super heavy. And it still drank kind of like a 92 proof, but it just hit really heavy. But I I, I was going from finding sweet notes and, and really good dark sugar notes mm-hmm. to it just being corny. And just not liking it. I don't know what it is about this bourbon where now multiple people have said, yeah, I went through that. 
And it really took me, I would say, probably about six months to break out of that funk. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be just the same thing with, like, Woodford. When you start, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And then two to three months into drinking it, you're like, well, this is not very nuanced, and there's plenty of other better stuff out there. And then I guess you go back to it after a while, and you can actually pick up on that nuance and stuff, and it, it does have more to it. And being accustomed to, you know... 110 to 130 proof bourbon maybe i'm looking way past that harshness that i saw before uh but it to me every time i've introduced somebody and i was like we're gonna have weller or larceny and i say larceny because i feel like it's easier for people to get on their bar yeah i i think i think they're great introductions yeah and and i'm currently spending a good deal of time on the nose on this one I'm trying to find the note specifically that you pointed out, corny and nail polish remover. I feel like if you really wanted to, you could find those notes in there. But it's it's buried deep between some really nice baking spice stuff. Yeah, I think that the what, you know, now we would think of, oh, maybe it's nail polish remover. I think that's the alcohol that's coming through. Yeah. Um, or the ethanol more specifically. But... Yeah, it it gets really well nestled between um there's there's a, a orange spice note that I'm picking up on the nose. The brown sugar really comes through for me. There's almost a and it's so specific, but like a white rice characteristic that I kind of pick up on the nose too. Um like steamed white rice. I'm not really getting that so much as I'm getting almost like a dusty corn. I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know. Corn before it's been cooked. Yeah. Like no. before, like corn on the cob before you've cooked it or to even eat like that, off the cob. Almost like that dried corn even. Like, oh, that you do for, for squirrels? Yeah. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. I don't. I would say that the nose is probably my least favorite part of this bourbon. Not that it's bad. It's just yeah. that's, that's not as true. Good. But I also think that then that's another reason why this is good for beginners. Because I, there's not many people that when I hand them their first glass of bourbon, they don't do exactly what Dane did with the pappy. They shoot it. I mean, mm-hmm. so if you're, if you're looking for something where it's like they're trying to get minimal amount of flavor but still have that bourbon kick... This is this has got it. They skip the nose portion entirely, and if that's the weak point, then they're skipping the weak point. That's great. All right. So I've I've apparently been associating bourbons with foods tonight. Frosted Cheerios. <laughs> it's a look of approval, people. Yeah, it's uh, that's exactly what it is on the palate. It's it's like. It's a frosted Cheerios for sure. That's so strange. <laughs> if I why wanna... is this where I've, where I've gone with my my tasting notes? <sighs> I don't know. Good luck putting that on the back of the bottle. If they ever let you do <laughs> tasting notes, frosted Cheerios. No, uh, it. So going back to what I think you had told me, Dixon had said this has a complete absence of rye. That's how I kind of pick up on it as a weeder. Yeah, it it is dry. Yeah. It it's definitely dry. Not that it's overpoweringly so. 
but it's not presenting the flavors on the front of the palate that a rye bourbon typically does. Yeah, it's it's got it's got that absence, which is I think a reason why maybe I pick up on some of the corn in the nose so much is because it's got the wheat's not as strong, really. Yeah. So it, it it's got a really heavy presence of corn, um, and we've so the old Fitz releases the decanter stuff. Apparently, they're using larceny now, right? Well, I mean, it's it it's a weeded distillate, so yeah. So yeah. Some I think the age has done done this well, but this is still a very good entry point into weeded product from Heaven Hill. Yeah, um, for sure. And I I think this is friendlier than Makers because every time I've had Makers, it's Chad gets a headache. I don't necessarily get a headache, but it I definitely get a punch. It's it's definitely a it's little hotter. Yeah, it's hot. for some strange reason. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be that hot at ninety proof and being a weeder. Yeah, it's it's like a red hot almost to me. Which fits with their branding, don't get me wrong, but it's just, it's it's spicy. So that's why I kind of, when people are asking to what to start with, I, I tend to lean this. Because it does have that kind of, almost Elijah Craig type deal where it's got a little bit of baking spice hidden in there. Uh, the like slight cinnamon, but not overwhelming. Yeah. It's, and apparently Cheerios. Um, <laughs> Frosted Cheerios. Frosted get it Cheerios. Right. Come on, Swan. <laughs> but... It, it, it's definitely it's it's good i honestly this is one that i consistently look over on the shelf and i need to pick up a bottle i am about done with this bottle and i'm probably picking it up this week honestly mm-hmm. there's to me no reason not to have this on your on your back bar for people who say oh i i love makers or I love Weller, but I can't find it anymore. And it's like, this is a really great alternative. Honestly, and I haven't done them blind. I would love to do them blind. I enjoy this more, and I seem to get more out of this than I do Weller Special Reserve. I feel like this is less harsh than Weller Special Reserve. Yeah, I could see that. But I think I do enjoy the flavor profile of Weller Special Reserve more. It... I Again, know. I need to do them blind. Yeah. I, I would like to do a weeded blind flight. Oh, we'll um, break out the Lazy Susan, man. We can do that. Great. We can get that out. We can do this. We can do Makers, and we can do Weller Special Reserve all in one. <laughs> Just spin it around. Let you pick one. Bourbon's flying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I got a quarter of an ounce left in this glass, and um, mm, smells like, oh, that's air that I'm getting on that nose. <laughs> yeah, we aerated the bourbons. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about the finish. I like the finish quite a bit. The finish is good. It is not long. It would be kind of a medium to short finish. I would I would actually err more towards medium. Yeah. Um, that's where I, I tend to get more of the sweet notes. That's where a honey note kind of comes out as well. Maybe more like honeysuckle, actually, now that I, I really think about it. There's nothing dark about this bourbon except for maybe like a brown sugar note but mm-hmm. even then it's not like it, it it's complementing everything else really well yeah. i i think that this is if you are trying to, I, I i agree with what you said earlier if you're trying to get somebody into drinking bourbon this is maybe a top three for me just just to present to them and say here's where we're going mm-hmm 
here's where you could go. So. Absolutely. Well, do you want to jump into the actual review portion of it? There's one. Yeah, yeah. I'll... All right. So we have a review system of nose, palette, finish, and price. Each category is out of five, and then we total everything up for a score out of 20. I would give the nose on this a two. I would probably give it about a two and a half. I, I think it's it's good, but it's definitely the weak point of this. It smells younger than it tastes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that is why I'm I'm a little off put by the nose. I don't hate it, but at the same time I'm I if I were judging on nose alone, it wouldn't be a winning score. No. That that's why I, I settled on the two. Which I think that might even be a theme for me with weeders. I tend to I tend to like the palette and the finish more. Mm-hmm. Just because I think the rye spice is so instrumental to a, a good nose a lot of times. Just because I, I really pick that out more than anything else. That when there's none of that there and it's kind of an absence, the corn sticks through. I mean, I took a smell of this and immediately was like, oh no, it's that dickle again. <laughs> but it's definitely it's definitely not as pungent, one. And then two, it's, it's not, you know, it's not Ooh. awful. Sorry, I just picked up some peanut flavor on the palate too but i did a a massive kentucky chew let me go for that then so um palate i'm gonna give a 3.5 i i think that this is one of the best value bourbon palettes out there again i know that you know we were saying we went through this weird period where it was like (laughs) i don't know about this maybe i shouldn't be drinking it but like it this this is honestly one of the best palettes out there for the bud the budget yeah bourbons. Three point five is you know it it of course is not a resounding yes, but I think that it's a pretty good indication of this is good stuff. You need to consider it for sure. Yeah, I would give it a three. I I think the only thing that's keeping me back from it is I I feel like I get this more on Weller Special Reserve. I definitely don't get this on Makers. So one of my favorite desserts is definitely a pecan pie. I want more of like that like dark caro syrup flavor. And it's yeah. got just a little bit of that. I want more. I see that. So I that's that. why like when they do the special releases of like the barrel proof, I feel like it'd be something in my wheelhouse. Because I get that off Elijah Craig. Yeah. A lot of them. And I just, I want more of that. So I I'd, I think I'd give it a three. Again, pretty good. And for the price... Amazing. Finish. That's actually a three for me. Um, I, I, I think that it has a lot going for it, but it doesn't quite push it over the edge to be great or close to amazing. I think that it's just got enough where I'm like, yeah, there's something else there. It's good. I enjoy what what else is there. But I'm not, like, jumping for joy over it. Yeah, and I, I think also, just going back to the, the whole trend thing, I feel like we we typically give the higher proof stuff better finishes, which is fine. I mean, we look yeah. for that Kentucky mm-hmm. Hug. That's that's okay. Um, intro bourbon doesn't have to be perfect, and this definitely isn't, but it's it's a strong introduction. I'd also give it a, 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 probably a three. I think it'd be right around a three. It's um, 
I I need a bottle. I think that's yeah. I've I've got to get another. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna get another this week. I might get a handle. Really? I've never gotten a handle of this before. Good chance that that's gonna wind up happening. It looks like this is gonna be nerdy, but it looks like something like the front package of it looks like something on a Zelda. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like I need one of the skeleton keys or well, something. No, I can't unsee that. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be playing some Legend of Zelda after you leave, Swan. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> Get after it, man. Uh price is twenty four dollars. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Four and a half. Wow. Four and a half. Okay. I when you said you think this is one of the better deals in bourbon, I think this is a fantastic deal in bourbon. That's fair, man. I so i i know this shouldn't factor into it but availability is factoring into this no i think that's perfectly fine yeah why why shouldn't you factor availability availability yeah, into the price this has no secondary market <laughs> nobody's looking for this on secondary wouldn't that be funny yeah because I'll everyone's you, got I'll it give you 75 dollars for a 750 yeah. of larceny so this, okay <laughs> yeah so this is like Earlier, we have a Facebook group, as we mentioned before, and I asked everyone to take pictures of their shelves. If you go back and look at all those pictures, there's very few bourbons that are in common. There's a lot of local stuff. There's a lot of makers. There's a lot of holes where Buffalo Trace should be. Yeah, yeah. There's that kind of stuff. They've got larceny. They've got it. It's there. I mean, it is absolutely everywhere because Heaven Hill is great with making sure that their products are pushed out and available constantly. You know what we should do? And we've we've reviewed uh, special reserve on the on the show before, but it would be interesting to do like a, a series of reviews that are just budget weeded bourbons mm-hmm. or uh, affordable weeded bourbons. I mean, we could, you know, even just throw old fits in there. Um, makers for sure, we could we could review as well. Uh, but that I, I think that would be something we could explore yeah. here in the future. But. Uh, let's see. I gave it a 12.5 out of 20. Uh, hold on. I think I gave it a 2.5, three and a half, or no, that was three, and then three and a half and four and a half. No, you gave the finish a three as well. Three? Okay. Eight, 12.5. So, same score. Yeah, relatively the same score, yeah. Yeah, so you you wound up with the twelve point five as well, and I I I consider that in this instance a recommendation because I don't see another weeded bourbon out there that is of this quality. No, I and don't. That, that well, that is that in this get. in this category. I, I apologize. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I man, I really need to start keeping score on my phone. I feel like I messed something up. Um, <laughs> but no, I got you covered. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, if if you hit that point where you're like, ah, well, you know, I tried larceny and I didn't like it. Obviously, we both hit that point with this and we came back to it. Go back and get a bottle. I mean, the only other thing I can think of that's a weeder that's close to this as far as like how much I like it is, uh, uh, what is that one? The Stitzel Weller one they're putting out with a key on it. No, 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 no. It's Blade, Blade and Bow. <laughs> Oh, okay. Clayton Bow. I thought you were talking about larceny for a second. I was like, <laughs> dude. <laughs> no, I'm good. I thought Bladen Bow was a rye whiskey. Or rye bourbon, rather. Uh, I don't know. I was wanting to say it was weeded. Either way, but like... Well, I guess I'll have to look into th- it. They're putting a lot of stuff out that's, you know, in that $50 price range that is weeded. 
and I'd take this over it. And there's the barrel proof is great. Um, from what I've heard, I've not actually had it, but I mean, if you wanted a barrel proof and you really liked weeders, I'd probably move back to makers for their makers barrel proof. But just as far as introductions, this is great. Yeah, and and we'll we'll talk about like makers forty six and um, everything in in due time. But I say buy a bottle of this. I I know it wasn't the most glowing of reviews, but I think that this is. I think it speaks volumes for the actual price you're paying for it. Yeah, I do too. Um, I I think this belongs on your bar. Mm-hmm. It belongs on your home. So, yeah, go buy larceny. How about tips and bits? Oh man, I didn't think of any oh. of these. <laughs> <laughs> this is our recommendation segment of the podcast. If you're a new listener to the show, I we recommend anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be bourbon related, but yeah, tips and bits. Do you want me to go first? Absolutely, because I'm drawing a blank right now. So uh, our our friend Clifton, who submitted a question to the show earlier, um, he recently did a live stream where he was drinking bourbon and playing Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo, and it got me all excited to play old video games again. So I ordered uh, a controller off of Instagram, er, Instagram, Amazon. Mm-hmm. which is where you actually order things from, not Instagram. Um, it's from a company called 8BitDo, so number 8, B-I-T-D-O. Uh, it's like an old Super Nintendo controller, but it still has the joysticks on it, so it's not locked into being like the, the old analog controllers. You can actually play some more recent uh, consoles with it as well. I am a big nerd and i recommend things like comic books and comic book movies and now apparently video game stuff um but i i have enjoyed the crap out of having this controller and you know not only does it have that like vintage feel and i mean i grew up playing the super nintendo you know that was my first game console um so i still have that that feeling of it, but, you know, say I want to jump over to the uh, Nintendo 64, I want to jump uh, even as far as, like, the Wii or the PlayStation 2, um, I can do that because the controller has everything available for that. So, go go buy a controller from right. 8-Bit2. I got one. Okay. You ready? This, uh, this is a movie I recommended to you earlier, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, The Terminal? Yes. With Tom Hanks. Yep. Mm-hmm flies under the radar for a lot of people very very heartwarming fantastic tom hanks movie will it make you cry uh it will get you very close to crying i don't know if it'll necessarily make you cry i don't know how much crying i want to do swan well i'm not going to sit over here and tell you to go watch x-men because we saw the reviews (laughs) on that so um definitely the terminal it's 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 pretty good um it's one of those movies I, I catch myself watching like twice a year for no reason. Like, oh, yeah. I know exactly what's going to happen every mm-hmm. time. But it, it's it's a, it's a great watch. And resonating with your video game thing, E3 this year, amazing. E3 had some really good announcements. It did. And Xbox year. and Nintendo stole the show. Yeah, Nintendo is poised to have maybe their biggest year Yeah, Didn't they say Mario ever. Kart's coming to the iPhones? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, well, 
this is my bourbon podcast, and we're gonna end this now because we're we're going to play Mario. We're going Kart. to play Mario Kart. Right no, now. it's yeah. I can't wait. It's gonna get stupid competitive. Yeah, it's my bathroom time's gonna be crazy now. <laughs> uh, we we should do sometime like um, a theme tips and bits mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, these are my top five movies that I you know always go back to for sure i did that one with the albums yeah yeah um i i think that would be something kind of interesting so that you know we're all on the same page yeah that'd be be neat i'm all for that yeah but we won't do that tonight because we do have to get off of here so that you good folks can go on to your daily lives and we can go on to drink some more bourbon and i'm probably going to go play some video games absolutely (laughs) thank you all so much for listening this has been a really really fun episode i've enjoyed this one a whole lot um i'd like to start doing these more maybe like uh you know once a quarter once every couple of months something like that just to um get you guys more involved with the show and everything but yeah it's been fun swan where can people find you on social media I'm on Instagram at MyBourbonFinder. So give me a follow there. Uh, and then also our Facebook group, which Perry will mention, has been awesome. You guys are super it's interactive. so much fun recently. Yeah, if you, definitely join that. Yeah, uh, you can search uh, This Is My Bourbon Group on Facebook if you'd like to become a part of that. Again, you have a couple questions to answer just to become a part of it. And, you know, you'll see when you get there. It's no big deal. If you want to follow me, I am at BRitter1492 on all social media channels. The show on all social media channels is at my bourbon pod. Uh, please give us a follow there. We love hearing from you. If you would like to communicate with us, that is a great way to do it. You can send us questions or comments to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. Um, I would really like to start doing like a correspondence section. Like a like a letters theme. I'm okay with that. Yeah, we could maybe do that in the future. Uh, Let's see what else. Give us a five-star rate and review on iTunes. That really does help out the show, get more people seeing this show and potentially listening, um, depending on, you know, if they want to listen to it as well. I haven't rambled in a long time. I'm rambling tonight. Just a little bit. It's all good. (laughs) Bourbonshop.threadless.com is where you can find all of our apparel and merch. We will be having a sale here coming very, very soon, so stay tuned. For that, uh, every Thursday night over on YouTube, I do a live stream. You can head to youtube.com slash thisismybourbonpodcast. A lot of fun hanging out with the folks over there, so please uh, tune into that. I would love to see you guys over there. And then finally, you can head to patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can become a patron of the show. There is absolutely 100% no pressure for you to support the show financially, but it really, really does help us out. Um, There's a lot of time and effort and uh, energy that goes into making this show possible every single week. And seeing the support from you guys not just on patreon but in general is a huge encouragement for me and for us so if you feel inclined to do so if you are able to do so patreon.com slash podcast again is where you can become a patron of the show swan thanks so much for sitting in this week buddy 
Yeah, thanks for having me. When are we gonna hang this deer up, man? Because it's been staring at no, me for like an hour. No, that deer's. He's he's uh, he's sitting in the corner forever. He's chilling. It's all right. <laughs> hey, buddy. Well, I will see you next week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Perry and I'm Swan, and this is my Bourbon Podcast. Also, that deer. He's kind of got his tongue hanging out a little bit. That's all good. (laughs) That's how he went. He's just making sure people know. (laughs) Later, suckers. You haven't seen the last of me. (laughs) He gets shot and he's going... (laughs) (laughs) That's just one last thing. He's just like, I'm going to have my tongue out for eternity. I'm going to be up on somebody's wall. Just (laughs) doing that. (laughs) 